I believe in divine appointment. I was born into a devout Muslim home, and God had plans, wonderful plans. I've been there. On the day I was going to kill myself, Jesus revealed himself to me, and he gave me a new life. And if you pray with me, and if you believe with me, God is going to give you a new life today. Jesus Christ is real. He changes life. He changes destiny. And he changes nations. And those nations can change the world. One of my most favorite scriptures, 1 Corinthians, first chapter, starting with verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And here is my most favorite part of the scripture. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things are that are not to nullify the things that, that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom of God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. This scripture spoke to me more than anything else when I was a new believer. I remember the first day I was at a church service sitting at the very end pew trying to be invisible. I learned to be invisible all my life until I came to Christ. Because every time I was visible, it meant abuse. It meant being kicked on the floors. It meant blamed. And I learned to be invisible, to stay out of trouble. 
I remember when I was a new believer in my first church, when pastor called me, Ushuk, I want to talk to you. And the first thing in my mind, in my heart was, what did I do wrong? I had this guilty conscience. And the first day I went to church, coming from Islam, never knew how the church service could be or should be. I felt like angels were singing as I was hearing amazing grace. Great is thy faithfulness. I was in my sleeping outfit when I went to the church and I sat on the very end at the corner pew. When I look at everybody, they were raising their hands, they were worshiping, they all look, they put everything all together. Everybody in the church looked perfect. Now I know the truth. We are a mess. But at that time, I felt so unworthy to be there. It felt like I didn't belong there. It felt like I wanted to serve God, but I had nothing to offer. And I felt like an outcast. And where would I go, I said to Jesus. What would I do? And I fell on my face to the ground while people were singing Amazing Grace. And I said to Jesus, look at me. I have nothing to offer. Look at me. And I remember first time with an inner voice him telling me, give me your nothing. I will make it more than you can ever imagine. And he did it. He made it more than I could ever imagine. If somebody looked at me in the world, they saw a wretched, adulterous, molested, abused murderer who killed her two unborn babies before Christ. And I was in my PJs almost, I would say, in that church. But God was looking at me and he was seeing me in my priestly garments. He was looking at a murderer like Apostle Paul. And he was seeing an apostle and a church planter and a preacher and an author. He was looking at Moses and he was seeing a leader of millions of Israelites who were in slavery because God's foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom. I love it. He looked at Gideon and it was God's foolishness to tell Gideon, pick up 300 men against a vast, vast army. It was God's foolishness to create Eve from a rib of Adam. It was God's foolishness to create the world in six days. It was God's foolishness to tell a king, just praise me, just tell me how good I am and how my love endures forever and you will win the war. It was God's foolishness to tell people to shout around the walls of Jericho and the walls would collapse. From beginning to an end, it was God's foolishness 
It is a foolishness to the world. It is a foolishness to the intelligent man and school man to do things in God's way, not his way. And I have seen in my life too God's foolishness. I remember going to a job interview to be a bookkeeper of a company. I never thought of much of myself shaking and trembling. And I was looking for a second job as a single mother. And I said, I will do anything. I need to support my home. I need to put food on the table for my little girl. I work in two jobs, in three jobs, if it takes, whatever it takes, I'll do it. As long as it is biblical as a new believer. And then I went for a job interview to be a bookkeeper. And that day, owner of the company was there to interview with me instead of someone else. And after a long interview, after giving me tests and a lot of things, the reports to read, he said, we don't need a bookkeeper. We need a chief financial officer for this company. And he hired me right at the spot to become a chief financial officer. After two years, by grace of God, I became the president and CEO of that company. God's foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom. Imagine today what sounds so foolish to you. Maybe the Muslim world, maybe ISIS, in the midst of the evil, in the midst of all this ugliness and darkness, God is showing to us in the ministry today, all we have to do is to be faithful. All we have to do is to trust in Him. All we have to do is to ask Him to bring revival to our nation. Because you know what? His foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom. He is looking at abused Muslim woman and man who is ready to kill and die in the name of their gods. But he's seeing something different than what we are seeing in the Muslim world today. The letters, the responses, the reactions that we are receiving is telling us God is in the soul-saving business and he is using foolish things for his glory. God is, he does not share his glory with no man. You know, we do things without a purpose. I do things without a purpose sometimes. But God doesn't do anything without a purpose. And everything that God does for one main goal and reason only to glorify himself. Because when he is glorified, when his name is lifted up, he draw all men closer to him. He look at a little girl, teenage girl, a virgin, and he decided that the Messiah would come through a virgin birth. God's foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom. I remember a man in a huge, has a huge career shared this with me. One day he was sitting 
on the floor on a dirty street in New York City. And a preacher came to him to preach the gospel. He was a beggar. He was a beggar. He was sitting on the floor in the dirt. He was sleeping in the car junkyards, eating from the garbage cans, stealing for drugs, begging for drugs. And he was sitting on the floor. He had no idea about God. When a preacher came and gave him a little pamphlet, little New Testament alongside with that. And the man made fun of the preacher. He called him a fool. He called him an idiot. And the preacher just smiled and handed the gospel message to this man. And he walked away. And this man, just look at the Bible and the pamphlets, and he said, this is foolishness. He didn't know the state that he was in. Sometimes this is what it takes. We need to take a moment and look at our circumstances and ask, why is this happening to you? What can I learn from this? What God is trying to tell me, and especially when you, you feel like you are stuck in a circumstance, that you keep hitting your head to the walls. And there is a glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel, but it is not happening. Years passing by, days are going by, and it is not happening. And every day you are waiting for that big moment of your life, whatever it is. Maybe to be discovered. Or maybe something like lottery to hit you. You have a long list that you would do things with that. And you are waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing is happening. Every morning you're asking, maybe today. And the day that you are not asking, you are in depression because you lost hope. Whether you ask and you wait and you hope and you get disappointed and depressed, or you hope and hope and hope it doesn't happen, and you feel stuck, that you cannot do a single thing to change your destiny. Then at that moment of despair, at that moment that enemy is telling you it's never gonna change, maybe it's the moment that you need to stop and ask yourself why. Not why me, but why am I going through this? What is it that you are trying to teach me? What is it that I am trying to justify and understand with my intellect that I cannot solve this puzzle? Why with my own strength, with my A plans and B plans and C plans? And it's not working. What should I do with my life? Where do I go? Look, time is passing. I am 40, 50, 60. Who is going to give me those years back during waiting? It feels like wasted away. It feels like I missed the train. It feels like I am stuck. And there's no hope. And these are the times that we need to turn to him and pray. What is it, Lord, that it is taking me 40 years in the wilderness that it can take me 11 days or 11 hours or even 11 minutes by your power. Maybe 40 years you have been trying so hard with your own wisdom 
Maybe you only needed foolishness of God to get you the journey in 11 days. I don't know where you are today, but I know where I was. I was trying so hard to get to somewhere to prove some people that I was not who they think that I was. And I was stuck because my motivation was wrong, my reasoning was wrong, my justification was wrong, my thinking was wrong. I was wasting my time in a waiting room, almost like Catholics believe, waiting. Waiting in a room and wasting my years. You know, devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Sometimes we think he steals our money only. But what about time? What about a man or a woman that went to prison and they waited for 30, 40 years? And you don't need to be in a prison cell to feel that way and you feel when you feel stuck. And today maybe all you need is God's foolishness to get, to tr get you through or move your mountain. You need his foolishness. And then you ask. I believe the moment that we ask, we are at the beginning of our deliverance. The moment that we ask, why am I going through this? There's a glimpse of hope there in that question because we want to know now instead of we want it. We want to know why we are not getting it instead of trying to say why we should be getting it. Whatever it is in your life. And then God, when we seek him, as I always say, he gives us the answer. You are not getting this because of that. And in the case of Israelites, there was disobedience, there was pride, there was stiff-neckedness. They were, they were stiff-necked people, and they were not obeying God. But God was so good to them. He was still feeding them. He was still sheltering them. And maybe this is the case with you right now. He's sheltering you. You have a food to eat. You have a cloth to wear. God is a good God. Even you are in disobedience. He's taking care of you because he's so graceful. He's so kind. He's so merciful. But there's something bigger waiting for you that maybe you are the one hindering it. Maybe you are the one on the way, in the way of God to perform it. Because you are maybe too smart that you saw it already. And you know the answer. These are the times, my friend, we need to empty ourselves and say, you know what, I don't know anymore. There's a miraculous power, as I always say, in surrender and submission. The moment you surrender, there's peace. You are not fighting anymore. And if God is calling you to fight, fight. I am a fighter. I always say, this walk is a battle. This is a war. This is a fight. But maybe you are just beating the air. And the enemy is stealing your years, your energy, your joy. 
Maybe you are so focused on what is going to happen with the materialistic things, but the things that you are wasting and losing are priceless. Today, maybe you need to tell God, I want your foolishness. And I trade my wisdom with your foolishness because I tried my way and didn't work. I got a lot of advices and counsel, prayers, encouragement, but they only lasted a day. Now I surrender. I surrender everything in me, my wisdom, my intellect, my education, my years of experience, the things that I have seen and I have done, I surrender. And I need you today, God, to tell me, why am I going through the things I'm going through? I want to be like Gideon. I want to be like Elijah. I want to be like Moses. I want to be like Paul. You know, a good preacher says, a Holy Ghost-fired preacher of all times, one day, one simple soul will read the Word of God and believe it with all her heart. When I read this in a book, I said, I want to be that person. I want to read the Red Sea open, and I, I want to have a childlike faith to believe that it happened in front of my very eyes. I want to have a childlike faith because you can't tell children anything. They believe. It doesn't matter how foolish it can be. And God wants to, uh, us to have that kind of childlike faith today. The Red Sea, the virgin birth, Jesus feeding the 5,000 people with two fishes and five loaves of bread became once upon a time story in our hearts today. But God wants us to believe in every single word that happened to them. And you can see them in the faith chapter, Hebrews 11. He wants us to believe with so much innocence and so much purity like a little child. Maybe you are too grown up for God to move in your life with his foolishness. And today is the day you become a little kid and you go to him. God has a good sense of hu humor. I have a friend who is a best-selling author. Her name is Bodhi Tene. Her books have sold more than 35 million copies all around the world. And being a new writer, I was sitting with her several months ago and just learning from the master, right? And she said to me, Ushuk, did you know that I have a learning disability? Do you know that I have dyslexia? I said, no. She said, you have no idea how difficult it was for me. But God, uh, don't you love that? When you give God all the impossibilities, 
all the no wait out signs and all the things that everybody says, why the answer has to be no, that he moves on your behalf and does things in your life that you have a testimony and you say, but God, but God, with man, this is impossible. Not with God. With God, all things, all things are possible. She said, but God, but because of God, I am who I am today. And God turned me into a best-selling author. Don't expect natural results from a supernatural God. Don't expect normal. Don't try to figure it out. God's next move. Because you can. Especially with women, we are like kind of mind readers. We want to know what is in the mind of our husbands or children. And sometimes all of us, no gender differences. We want to know the mind of God. It's nothing wrong with that, but we cannot guess unless he reveals to us his next move. And I believe today it is the same thing for the church, it is the same thing for the believers. If it takes to nail 95 theses on the walls of every church in America, we need a revolution. We need, we need even more than revival today in American church. We need Ezekiel's walking in the valley of the dry bones and speaking life to those dry bones, prophesying over the dry bones. As a preacher said to me, so many dead men preaching, so many dead sermons to so many dead people. We need life. Resurrection power in the church. We are at a place, we are at a crossroad that we need to forget our own wisdom, to surrender everything we know, to see the foolish moves and acts of God. We cry for glory. We cry to see his power. I want to see every drug addict, every drug addict, alcoholic, to be delivered in the church, even in the station. I want to see prostitution in this country to stop sex trafficking. I want to see little girls selling their bodies or being sold by their own parents to child pornography to be rescued and transformed and healed. I want to see people lost in their choices of their genders and despise the gender that God had created them for some reason, one or another. That devil lied to them or they were molested and something happened to them in somewhere that they chose to believe that they were not 
born as they should be, and they make a choice. I want all of them to know the knowledge and the goodness and the love of Jesus Christ. Today's broadcast has been brought to you by Ishik Abba Ministries. Ishik is a former abused Muslim woman who was transformed by Jesus Christ. Now she is bringing the good news to Muslims and a revival message to America. To learn more about Ishik, please go to isikabla.com. Again, that's isikabla.com. Please contact us at info at Again, that's info at to learn when the next revival meeting will be in your area. Join us for revival.